0: Welcome to the Find That Thing podcast, where we find that thing that lights your soul on fire. That thing that you were made for in this world and that just drives you from the inside out and brings you to life. My name is Emma Campbell. I'm a purpose coach, mama, nature-loving, stubbornly optimistic, dorky child at heart. Here, you can expect juicy mindset bites, stories, silliness and seriousness and everything in between, one thing I do promise is to make you smile. I'm here to give you permission to own your true purpose to do what you truly want to do in this world and be the person that you were before the world told you who you should be because it's never been so easy than right now to do what makes your soul shine. So let's soak up some of that awesomeness that this world has to offer and help you find that thing that sets your soul on fire and bring it to life. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to bring you this episode. It has been a long time coming. As you may know, if you've been following my social media journey, or if you know what's been going on in my life in general, and that is something that I've been wanting to share for so long, and it's these massive, massive changes that have been occurring in my life and that's around moving house, building a house, um, giving birth and raising a newborn, um, being the mother of two kids and going through lots of challenges and lots of growth and lots of learning in that process. And I had initially intended to do a two-part podcast series where the first part was going to be me sharing some learnings before I had given birth and then sharing some learnings after giving birth. However, I heard a really, really great quote the other day. I think it was Rachel Hollis on Oh Jay Shetty's On Purpose podcast, and she talked about Sharing and talking through the scar, not the wound. Talking through the scar, not through the wound. And what she means by that is, and it's not her quote, by the way, I think it's one of those famous quotes that's just been sort of rejigged by many different people, is not sharing and not talking about the learnings when you're deep in the pain but waiting until you've got to a point of understanding what the purpose of that challenge was before sharing that message, you know, with the world if it's if the purpose of it is to help others learn and to help others grow. Obviously, it's a different story if we're talking to friends. If it's that case, I would say bloody get get those, you know, get those negative thoughts or those tears or those hard hard moments out, you know, even if you are deep in the wound, share that with someone. But when we're talking about helping others grow and learn, which is the intention of this podcast, I loved this quote because I think it's something that will help you grow and find meaning in such a easier and faster way. And that's about talking through the scar and not the wound. And that's where I would say I am right now. I'm in the scar phase (laughs) not the wound phase in that. The last sort of three, four, five, six weeks have definitely been a challenge. I've been challenged in lots of ways that I've never experienced before. And one of those big ones was leaving our home and leaving our place of security, leaving that nest when I was very heavily pregnant and only wanting to create that nest um, and create a really safe place for my beautiful little newborn and having to leave that nest and coming to a whole new home and lots and lots of unknowns in terms of when that when that labor and when that birth was going to occur and also when a house was going to be built and there was a whole heap of stuff about finance and when that was going to occur, there was lots and lots of unknowns. So I wanted to share with you some incredible learnings that I have achieved in how to surrender, how to trust and how to let go of control when you're in a time of big transition in your life and everything feels uncertain, everything feels like it's changing, you don't know what the future is going to look like, you don't know what is next and how it's all going to work and that can really invoke a lot of fear, a big fear response. And part of this podcast episode, I would love for you to reflect on what your early warning signs of fear are for you. Because when you catch them early, when you know what your early warning signs are, you can turn them around a lot faster. I think I've shared before the analogy of thinking about a car sitting at the top of a hill, Uh, it's sitting sitting, uh, in idle, or at least maybe you've actually taken the keys out of the ignition and you've popped it into neutral and you've given that car a little bit of a push a little bit of a nudge at the top of the hill and it's slowly starting to build up a little bit of speed if you were to jump in front of that car right at the top of the hill as it's just only gained a little bit of momentum how easy would it be for you to be able to stop that car Pretty easy, right? You'd probably be able to even stick two fingers out and you'd be able to stop the car because you've caught it early. What happens if you let that car keep going and you let that car roll down that hill and keep building more and more momentum on itself? Builds up a lot of speed and a lot of heaviness and a lot of energy, right? And there is no way (laughs) that you would be able to jump in front of that car at the bottom of that hill or possibly even halfway along that hill because it is too strong. You've waited too long. So if we catch those early warning signs, you have a much greater chance of being able to turn that negativity and turn that fear and all those negative emotions around a lot faster and a lot easier than waiting until they're at the bottom of the hill and you're just, yeah, you're in a bit of a state. <laughs> so part of it is getting you to think about what your early warning signs of fear are. And I'll, I'll actually, I'll share mine right now. A couple of mine that I've noticed over the last four weeks after having given birth and, you know, being in that state of just everything is unknown and everything is changing. I'm learning a new newborn and don't worry, I'm going to share my birth story in a second. I noticed that I was in fear. I was a hundred percent in fear and it's something, it's something that I haven't, if I'm really completely honest, I haven't been in this state for many years. It used to be quite, quite a normal state for me (laughs) and I can really recognize these signs so well because they used to, they used to be my life. And since practicing a few different practices, which I'll share with you in a second, I've been able to move through them so that they're not my default state anymore. But I would like for you to think about what yours are and I'll share mine right now. So the first key one is overthinking, overthinking things. My mind racing, my mind constantly asking questions, constantly wanting answers for silly little things, silly little things. It's like the mind just wanted to jump on absolutely everything. It was questions about how do I do this? What does this mean if my newborn sounds like this? What does this sound mean? And what does this cry mean? And what does this rash mean? And I was Googling everything. So Googling stuff is also one of my early warning signs. So overthinking, Googling everything. So I know that I'm in fear if I'm hopping on Google to have every question answered that my mind pops up with, <laughs> because it's a way of, you know, feeling safe, a way of feeling of getting a sense of control, right? So you can understand why your mind wants to do that. It wants to feel like it's okay like it's safe, like it knows the answer, like it has that sense of control. But if we let it keep creating that cycle over and over and over, then it can become too much. And that's when it starts to get destructive. And I can, I can feel when my mind is heading in that direction and I can catch it really quickly now and I can turn it around. One of the other things is trouble for me, one of my early morning signs is trouble making decisions a lot of trouble making decisions. So usually I'm a really great decision maker and I instantly know what I wanna do and what's gonna be the best course of action and I'm really confident and clear in those decisions. And what I notice is when I'm in fear and in overthinking, trying to make a simple decision, like what time to go to the park or whether to go to the shops before the park, Or the park and then the shops (laughs) or what to dress my baby in or um, gosh like whether I should put almond milk or normal milk in my coffee silly silly tiny little decisions it's too much for my mind because my my mind has become become consumed with overthinking so many other things it's in a state of fear that it's really struggling to make those really simple, higher level cognitive processing decisions, like literally making a simple decision about coffee. So that's one of my other early warning signs: is trouble making decisions. Um, one of the others is teeth grinding for me. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd feel just along my jaw. I cl- I just I clench. I clench my teeth at night if I'm feeling a little bit anxious or a little bit fearful and that was one thing that I was noticing as well it's just that that feeling of having clenched my teeth all night so these are my early warning signs and I would really really highly encourage you to think about what yours are how do you know that you're getting a little bit stressed or that you're getting a little bit fearful or a little bit anxious because if you can draw awareness to those and you can even let your partner know what they are, actually, <laughs> it's a good chance that your partner probably knows what your early warning signs are better than you do. So you could possibly even ask your partner, how do you know that I'm a little bit stressed? What are some of those things that you notice from me? You know, maybe it's something like, I'm sure my husband would say, well, you, you probably make a little bit less sense than usual. <laughs> you... Um, you, you probably move a lot faster. I know when I'm in fear and when I'm in stress, I am just a bubble of energy that's just running around the house trying to get everything done. Um, maybe procrastination might be one of those early warning signs that he'd say. Um, but let's be honest, he'd probably just um, be really, really polite and say, no, no, I never noticed that you're in stress or fear. <laughs> I've trained him well, trained him well. So that is the first thing that I wanted to say is know your signs of fear and at the end of this episode I'm going to talk a little bit about coping mechanisms for if you are in fear and if you are in stress maybe you're going through a really big transition in your life right now whether it's a new job whether it's a new baby whether you're moving house or building a house like I am, whether you've just started up a new business and you have no idea where it's going to go, whether you're going to make money out of it, whether people are going to care what you have to say, all of those big, scary, um, scary transitions that can occur. We're going to talk through some of the coping mechanisms to make sure that you've got a few in your toolkit that'll help you stay aligned and help you stay on track when you're feeling a little bit out of sorts. So before I move on, let's talk about my birth story. So if you're not into birth stories, even though I don't think I've met anyone who's not met, oh, Maybe there's a few men out there, actually, that weren't too interested in hearing about a birth story. But if you're a female who's about to give birth or you have given birth before, I'm sure you will froth on a good birth story. So I'd like to share it with you. The first thing I want to say is, do you know what was the hardest part of my entire birth? It was actually the lead up to the birth. It was the not knowing when I was going to give birth and I went past my due date by six days, almost seven, depending on what due date calculation you go by. And each one of those days felt like a millennium. If you have given birth and you had you were given a due date and you went over your due date, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I really did not set myself up for success in this particular birth because with um, my first with a little Oscar, who's um two and a bit now, he came almost on June date, so just a t- like one day after. and when then, when I had this birth, I thought, oh, because the all the stats say that uh, your second birth is usually comes faster. So I thought, oh look, it's it's highly likely that, you know, I'm going to give birth before my due date. I'm feeling really calm. I'm feeling really connected. I'm ready to have this baby. Um, It's a perfect state for me to be able to give birth. And oh my gosh, was it, was it just totally not that case? So one of the things that I really struggled with was letting go during that time and surrendering to the process and trusting that whatever happened was going to be okay, because i do tend to have a little bit of a maybe a um what do you call it i guess a default pattern of wanting to maintain control of things and wanting to over control as i think a lot of us do and so when i had to completely surrender myself to this process it was really really challenging So I'm going to talk you through a process of how to let go and how to surrender and some of the things that really worked for me, some of the mindset tricks as well. Um, But essentially, so I was over six days and I was doing all the things, all the things that you could possibly do. So I won't go through all of them, but there was a lot of acupuncture, there was stretch and sweeps, there was eating all the dates in the world, um, even made myself a delicious date slice. I was walking through King's Park constantly doing the DNA tower, <laughs> doing lots of meditations. So oh, I want to do a shout out for the Positive Birth Company um, little mini digital course that I did. And I'll I'll flick the, we'll pop the link in the show notes below because that was absolutely incredible. It is one of the best things that I've ever done and was incredibly powerful and transformational in terms of my mindset and my attitude towards birth in the in the lead up to birth I was so so incredibly excited to give birth I could not wait it was like one of the most exciting things ever and that's what the power of this positive birth company Uh, course did for me. It helps you understand what's going on in the body, uh, all the science, all the the hormonal elements behind birth, what, what your different muscles in your body are doing and how to fuel those muscles. And most importantly, helping you create or at least balance out all the stories that we hear in the media about negative births and scary births and traumatic births, which everyone loves to share. Uh, Everyone loves a good traumatic negative birth story Um, and that's they're the ones that we tend to hear the most of. So unconsciously a lot of us have a lot of fear towards birth because of this. So this little mini digital course by the Positive Birth Company will at least help you see another perspective. So if you've only got one perspective, which is all the negative stories, this will at least give you another perspective, a different way of seeing birth. And if it resonates with you, you will be absolutely taken like me and the other 35,000 people in the Facebook group that have completed it and had the most incredible positive transformational births. Uh, So I would highly recommend it if you're in the lead up to birth. It was really, really powerful. It's a bit of... um, like really powerful meditations and heaps of other stuff like that. So anyway, I had that positive birth company course behind me, which really helped get me in the right mindset for birth where I was feeling really confident and really in control after my first birth, not probably being, or not, not um, allowing me to be in such a state of control. I definitely felt out of control. I definitely felt scared I definitely felt overwhelmed by the entire process and I hadn't really equipped myself with the right knowledge the right mindset or anything like that I still had a pretty I guess in the scheme of things positive birth um no no sort of pain relief apart from gas and air and had a beautiful water birth where i got to give birth to my son oscar into a birthing pool and um the little munchkin swam up to me in the water with big beautiful eyes and it still makes me emotional just thinking about it Uh, and then the second birth was just such a different experience equally positive but so different in so many ways so okay emma bloody get on with the birth story right so by um, 40 plus five, so 40 weeks and five days, I started to get some some mild uh, contractions or surges or, you know, those, those feelings within your body. And uh, I was getting really excited. It was after I'd taken a big walk in Kings Park. So I was like, oh, this is it. This is on and got myself ready to to get into labor and i was feeling really excited about it put on my meditations let my midwife know because the the surges had got quite um quite regular and quite intense let my midwife know and she said m is a good chance that that this will be a long birth or a long labor so if you can get some rest and lay down so i was in two minds about what to do whether to keep walking around because that can help bring on labor or whether to rest and after doing a little bit of walking around i decided to lay down and i fell asleep and the labor disappeared (laughs) The, the surges disappeared And that was one of the most disappointing feelings ever because I was so ready to give birth. I was so ready to meet my little munchkin. Uh, So a bit disappointing. Woke up the next morning, though, and I was like, you know what? This is on. This is going to happen. Today is the day. I'm so excited. So we got my parents to come and grab Oscar or I think we dropped Oscar at my parents and he hung out with them for the day and I thought this is great I can get myself in the zone nice and relaxed nice and calm lots of oxytocin that because that brings on labor you know that beautiful feeling of love and connectedness helps um, helps get labor going and Oh my gosh, the whole next day occurred and still no labor had progressed. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is just absolutely killing me. And, oh yeah, look, lots of, lots of emotions, maybe a little bit of tears (laughs) and lots of, lots more walks in Kings Park. So I just kept that walking going, kept focusing on what I could control, kept focusing on what I could control. And then the day came, the hour came, the minute came, that I started feeling a few more little sort of, um, I guess what they start off as, if you haven't given birth before, is sort of mild period cramping. You just kind of feel like a little bit of a tightening inside your belly, like deep inside your belly. And then bit by bit, they get a little bit stronger. So I started to feel some more, at about 6 pm the following day and apparently this is quite common for your second birth to have um, almost like a false a false labor the day before you do give birth and i I uh, yeah so basically at about 6 pm they started to kick off i was like oh i think this could be it so we did we did oscar's bath um, put him to bed, gave him big cuddles and big love because um, I knew that it could be, yeah, the last time that it's only only him as one of our little kitties in the world. And I think the footy the footy semi final might have been on, so I sent my husband off to go watch the footy in another room so that I could labour on my own in my own little zone for a little while. And yeah, labor really started to kick off. So I was breathing through the contractions, uh, keeping my meditation, uh, had a little meditation app on that was helping me time the contractions as well. And they were ramping up, but not, not so quickly compared to my birth with Oscar. So with Oscar, my waters broke. And so when labor really kicked off, it kicked off fast. And intensely, and I didn't have to do anything to keep that labor going apart from breathe and manage to get through each of the contractions. Whereas with this birth, I was finding that if I wasn't walking around the house or trying to move up and down stairs or sway my hips, that the contractions were kind of fading and and um, almost disappearing. And I was by this stage a bit fed up, and I knew that if I if I didn't get this, this labor happening tonight, that I was gonna start to really, really get exhausted. So I really followed my intuition on this and thought I'm gonna, even though it's still quite early and the, the contractions are pretty manageable, I was just breathing through them at this point, I called my midwife and let her know how it was going and she happened to be just around the corner and we were also about 30 seconds down the road from the birthing center so it was really really lucky. She said come in, I'll check you, we'll see what's going on. So I popped in and she checked me, she asked do you want to know how far along you are? So, um, this is one of the questions that they'll often, um, they'll often ask you is like how much um, dilation or cervical dilation you've already gone through. And I said, no, because I didn't think that I had progressed very far and I didn't want to be disappointed if she said I was only like one or two centimeters or something like that. And she was really beautiful. She said, no worries. It doesn't matter because you are more than far enough progressed along for you to be able to stay. So she said this really beautifully positive yet quite ambiguous statement, which was enough to give me like a beautiful sense of confidence. And she said, you can keep laboring here, all good. So I labored at the birthing center for a little bit longer. I told them I want to get in that that bath as soon as I can. Uh, I had the TENS machine on and then I was just swaying my hips and I just noticed that this birth still wasn't really progressing. Like it wasn't amping up. It was very, very different to my birth with Oscar. So I was really quite confused. And that birth with Oscar was my only reference point. So it was kind of a tricky one for me to manage. But I got this, I got this kind of intuitive nudge, like. If I just have my waters broken similarly to what happened with Oscar I I know that things will progress and so I asked the the birthing center would they break my waters here and they said yes which was amazing because I thought I might have to go up to the main hospital to get it done and so it was at about that point that I got the gas in the air Uh, and if you haven't had the gas in the air, oh my God, it is absolutely incredible. When you're in the peak of labor, it just takes that edge off like nothing else. And I take, took a big suck of the gas in air and it was one of the most incredible feelings in the world. And I just said, oh my God, (laughs) I forgot how good this is. And I lay down on the bed. Um, she broke my waters. Very interesting experience, but, um, all in all really, really positive because I knew this meant that I was going to be bringing my little, my little munchkin into the world and actually, you know, meet them and find out what the gender was and all of that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah. So basically after that, as soon as she'd broken my waters, labor really kicked off. And so I asked, can I get in the pool now? So can I get in the birthing pool? And she said, look, if you feel like, You're ready. If you feel like you want to get in the pool, I'm happy to trust you. They're they're really incredible at the birthing center and empowering you to, to trust yourself. And I said, okay, I could kind of tell that I probably needed to labor outside of the pool a little bit longer because often what can happen is if you get in the pool too early, it can really slow your contractions down. And didn't want that to happen. <laughs> so I lay it outside of the pool for a little while. I think I was in the shower or something like that. And I had a couple of pretty intense surges where I just felt baby start to engage and really move down. And I even felt like my my voice got lower uh, as I am quite a verbal laborer. (laughs) So so that was uh, quite entertaining, I think, for, for them and for me. And it's worth saying that in between surges or in between, you know, those those contractions, you are so completely normal, like you don't feel a single thing. So while in the moment of a contraction, it's pretty Bloody intense. When you are out of that contraction, you can just have a normal chat and um, you can laugh at yourself and all of those sorts of things. So there was lots of that occurring. So after a couple of surges out of the bath, I was like, "All right, I am ready to get in that bath," and I almost like ran across the hall. I think completely nude at this point <laughs> and just jumped in the bath with the gas and air and labored in there for a little while and. One of the trickiest parts of the whole labour, which I really wanted to share this with you, it's probably getting quite, um, quite personal, but I but I wanted to share it with you because it was it was such a great learning for me. Is I was being encouraged to to push down to push baby down, and that was partially my probably my fault because I had said I felt like baby was moving down. And so I, then I think the midwife thought, okay, well, I'm going to encourage her to push down. And whenever she asked me to push down to something did not feel right. I didn't feel like I was ready. And I remember with Oscar that when the baby was ready to move down, like when you were ready to push, there was no denying it. Your body took over. Like you didn't have to push at all. Your body did everything for you. It's so, so incredible. And I didn't feel that feeling. And one of the hardest parts of the whole label was pushing when I didn't feel like I should be. And the thing that I'm the most frustrated about, or maybe not frustrated, but one of my learnings from the process was I should have trusted my gut. And I should have spoken up about that and it ended up being completely fine. But what it did mean is that I was pushing against a cervix that wasn't yet fully dilated. And so it put pressure on the cervix and it basically increases a bit of your, your pain. And that was one of the big takeaways, the big learnings that I took from the whole birth is that every time I trusted my intuition in the birth and the whole birth process, Everything went really smoothly and really easily and really well. When I denied that little gut impulse, that little, that little um, feeling, that's when things were hard. That's when things were harder. So that was just a really big learning for me. And so essentially what happened is (laughs) after trying to push, but realizing that my cervix wasn't ready, I asked her to check me and she said, oh, actually you're only eight and a half centimeters. So (laughs) please stop pushing. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, okay. And the funniest thing was that literally at that point that she checked me, I think she may have moved a little bit of my cervix out of the way that's when I was suddenly ready to push. So she said, look, don't push, do whatever you can to stop pushing. And it was at that point that my body started bearing down and just naturally pushing that baby out. And it was the most incredible, oh my gosh, just awesome feeling after having you know, some time where it just things weren't working. And so then baby came out into the world, I think in just a couple of pushes And I got to see that she was a little girl and that was really, really awesome. Uh, She swam up to me, or kind of swam up to me. She actually had the umbilical cord wrapped around her a couple of times. And I want to say that that don't freak out if that ever happens to you, if you give birth or if you see a birth that occurs like that. Because apparently it is super, super normal for the cord to be wrapped around and it's not a big deal. Uh, So the midwives are amazing. They just unwrapped the the cord and then passed it up to me. And oh my gosh, it was just the most incredible, beautiful moment. And I looked at her and oh my gosh, I just said, it's my little girl. And I've never been able to say that sentence before. And I said, it's little Hazel. So Hazel is our newest member to our family who is now four and a half weeks old and has just been a little gosh, like a petal of beauty and love and has just been so, so awesome and just totally completed our family. So that that is the main part of the birth story. And, you know, one of the most beautiful moments was just being able to sit or lay on the bed after the birth and look around with my husband laying next to me, I think maybe having a little nap at this and um, little hazel on my chest, um, having a little feed, And just being in this moment of such complete and utter gratitude and appreciation and love for this gorgeous little girl that was brought into our lives and my beautiful husband who supported me so well along that labor process, just, you know, uttering words of motivation and positivity and <laughs> fueling me with <laughs> Barocca and massages and just being there with me every step along the way. So it ended up being maybe an active labor of, gosh, from probably about like 8 p.m., until 3am she was born so yeah probably about six to seven hours all up I guess I I feel like labor only properly kicked off at maybe 11 12 ish but there was a bit of a lead up between eight and midnight um, where things were definitely progressing as well so I guess overall ultimately quite a quick ish birth there's definitely faster births out there and definitely longer but yeah overall it was one of the most positive experiences ever <laughs> completely um sorry uh, especially compared to oscar's birth where i felt really out of control i felt really in control for this birth and really empowered and confident so that was a massive thank you to the positive birth company i wouldn't have been able to be in that mindset without that So that was my birth story and now I want to share with you some of the tips that I went through in order to help me let go and surrender. The first one is a little four-step process on how to let go and get what you want and surrender to the process. And the first step The first step, which we often forget, is setting the intention of what you actually want. What do you want in the process? What does good look like? What does the best case scenario look like? Setting that intention, setting that vision for the future of what you want to be moving towards. And then the second step is taking action that is aligned to that vision. Taking action that is aligned to that particular intention that is aligned to that best case scenario. And taking action in line with what feels right intuitively. So following your gut, trusting your intuition on what actually feels right to help you move towards what you want. So one, what do you want? What does good look like? Create that picture in your mind of what you want to move towards and then take action in line with what supports that vision from that higher place with what feels good intuitively. Number three, third step, is focusing everything on what is within your control and letting go of what not of what is not in your control I'll say that again focusing all of your energy and all of your time and all of your focus on what you can control in the process and you can even write yourself a little table where you you label out the top left column with the word control and then the top right column with not control and actually listing down what is within your control here in this particular situation. You know, your mindset, your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions, your emotions, how you choose to see that situation, the story that you tell yourself about that situation. And what's not within your control? Everything else, right? What is not within your control? The events. The weather, when the baby comes, <laughs> your friends, other people, outside circumstances, what the traffic looks like, you know, other people's behaviors, other people's actions. There's a lot of stuff that's not within our control and we want to move all of our energy into what is within our control. The fourth and final step, surrender everything else so surrender the rest so surrender what you can't control let go of that part and that is the hardest part and one of the tips that my coach Sammy Fleming actually gave to me was this practice of softening softening even the word softening is just beautiful isn't it and that's physically letting go I'm even doing it right now, giving my neck a bit of a shake, letting my body just relax, untensing, just letting every part of your body untense and just soften and relax. Take some big deep breaths in and consciously choose to let go of focusing on what you can't control. And knowing that if you act from that place of intuition, so if you're focusing on what you can control and if you're focusing on acting from a place of intuition, that you will always be supported. When you're acting in line with what feels right and what feels good for you and what your heart is leading you towards and what your gut, Is telling you to do while it's scary that is the place that is going to most support you for your greatest good and your greatest life that is what's going to fully support you long term and while you don't know what that ultimate long term looks like which is a good thing right we wouldn't want to know what the whole path looks like otherwise it would be boring as hell That can be a scary place to not know what the long-term looks like. But trusting your intuition, trusting your gut, trusting what your heart is leading you towards, that is what's going to fully support you. And that is a process and that's a practice of letting go of control and surrendering to something that you don't fully understand, but knowing that there's something within you that does know. That there's something within your heart whether you call it soul whether you call it higher purpose higher presence whether you call it the universe whether you call it your spirit whether it's just some sort of inner power some sort of inner knowing some sort of inner wisdom within you that thing within you knows knows what's ultimately going to serve you and be the best thing for you so when you trust it when you focus on what's within your control and you focus on what feels right intuitively, you can know and you can trust and you can surrender and you can let go. And that is my ultimate, biggest tip if you're in a state of transition and fear is knowing that it's all going to be okay, that life is always working out for you. Life is always working out for you when you trust yourself and you trust that inner voice. So the one last tips, one last piece of tips that I wanted to share with you is understanding what your coping mechanisms are right now. And if you don't have a toolkit of coping mechanisms when you're in a bit of fear and uncertainty and stress, This is my homework for you, is to create a little list of what serves you, what makes you feel good, what makes you feel whole, what brings you back into a state of alignment, and to write this stuff down in a little note section on your phone. Because when you're in fear, when you're in stress, when you're in overwhelm, it's really hard to remember what to do to get yourself back into a good state so if you've done the work now then it's like this awesome little cheat sheet that you can go back to to be able to bring yourself back so back when i was in fear like back a couple of years ago maybe three or four years ago some of my old coping mechanisms were not so healthy it was literally distraction It was distract myself from whatever's going on and try and avoid and try and resist, which we all know that which we resist only persists. That which we resist only persists. So my distraction or my coping mechanisms used to be things like Netflix, um, used to be wine, I used to be partying on the weekend. Often I would find myself beating myself up In my mind, I'd be really hard on myself as a way of, I don't know, trying to get myself back into doing something different, but it was really destructive. You know, I'd tell myself like, you're not doing a good enough job. You need to be doing more. What are you doing? Like it was, you know, kind of beating myself up a little bit. And one of the other things that I used to do was was disconnect. So I would, rather than reaching out to friends, I would often withdraw from friends, so I would move, move away rather than toward the things that were going to help me actually get back into a really good state. Nowadays I've got some much more healthy coping mechanisms and they include things like meditation definitely my go-to for just bringing me back into a state of balance. Journaling, so just doing a massive big word vomit of whatever's going in my brain so I can declutter what's in my mind so that then it creates a bit more space and a bit more clarity to be able to actually understand what's really going on underneath the surface. Uh, It's hanging out with Oscar or hanging out with now with Hazel and just having a laugh and connecting because, God. Kids are just so present, aren't they? They are so, so present. So they're so good at drawing you into that energy. So that was definitely, or that is one of my awesome little tips there. Uh, Being able to have a good download to my husband as well is always really helpful. He's so great with that. And just bringing awareness to what are the actual thoughts that are going through my mind right now and actually just listening to them. So, you know, drawing that mind's eye into the mind and thinking, what am I, what's actually going through my mind right now? What are those thoughts that are coming up? And just having a little chuckle at them, giving them a little bit of lightness and going, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. That's such a silly little thought. And once you give that thought some, some airspace and actually hear what it has to say, It loses its power on you, and it doesn't seem so so in the mind because you brought awareness to it. You've shunned. You've um, you know put a light onto that thought. And these days, rather than withdrawing and disconnecting from friends, I always reach out. So I am ridiculously honest and transparent with all of my friends. uh, And I've got the most beautiful supportive friends, like a whole bunch of psychologists and coaches and teachers and everyone's all, you know, really into being supportive and helping and learning. So I'm really, really lucky to be able to have that space and, and that circle. So I really, really hope that this episode supported you (laughs) and that you got some entertainment from my birth story and from everything else that has been uh, going on in my life. It's been a really challenging time and I want to be open and honest and transparent about that. I'm not one of those people that will ever tell you that everything is all sunshine and rainbows because life isn't like that. And I will always promise to share the truth with you and to share the ups and the downs, because that is life. And as long as you're taking some learnings from it, as long as you're making some beautiful meaning of it, and as long as you're growing in the process, then for me, it's all about progress, not perfection, progress, not perfection, and practice makes progress, right? Practice makes progress, not practice makes perfect, which is one of the one of the sayings that we used to grow up with as a kid, that the saying for kids now is practice makes progress, which I absolutely love because I am definitely one of those people who can have tendencies towards perfection. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. The takeaways that I hope that you walk away with are getting an understanding of what your early warning signs are so that you can catch them early and you can turn them around. Remember to ask your partner because that might help having a little list of what your, what can be in your toolkit to help you turn that frown upside down (laughs) and maybe getting some awareness around what are your early, what are your um, coping mechanisms right now? So that when you are in a state of uncertainty, or fear or transition and everything just feels scary because you don't have a feeling of control over what's going on in your life know that you've got a toolkit that you can go to to help bring you into a state of flow and into a state of feeling good again and then please use that process of that four-step process of how to let go and surrender how to let go and trust and follow your intuition and know That when you follow what your heart wants, you will be supported. Sending lots of love and light and all good things your way.